Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. everyone to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet and welcome to ESSR Central. My name's Ross McLeod, Mr. Central, as you may come to know me, <laughs> considering I'm never off these becking shows nowadays. Joined today, he's back ladies and gentlemen, he's repackaged, grown a beard and he's a bad guy now. He's Chris Murray, how are you? <laughs> Thanks Ross, um, thank you for having me on. I Yeah, I was way too green the last time I was on Central, wasn't ready for the big leagues, Injured a few other panel members, got sent to developmental, and I'm back here maybe a year later. Well, welcome, welcome back, brother. You just shake everyone's hands on the way in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Call everyone, sir. And the jobber helping him through this. <laughs> He's the jobber to the styles. He's Scott McLeod. Ah, uh, yes, I'm, I'm the Al Snow around here. Aren't I? <laughs> Well, if you want don't, to do an interview with me, I'll wait till I'm not driving. Don't, talk, don't talk yourself down like that. You're at least Heath Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no kids that I know of. Or Heath Slayer, before, as he was called in the big leagues. <laughs> but before we go any further, of course, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Grinder, Tinder, Plenty of Fish, LinkedIn, MySpace... Uh, just eat whatever you get <laughs> your information we're more than likely there we may not be on just eat um, and of course eat sleep suplex retweet is the channel it's available on itunes anchor spotify and all good android podcasting sites what happens if we're not on that android podcasting site well it's obviously not a very good one <laughs> uh, but we're just going to dive right into the news this week and you might not be able to oh, you can't see this because it's radio you can't watch the radio but Chris has a lovely Daniel Bryan Ring of Honor background at the minute. And we're going to start with Daniel Bryan. It's been a, a busy week and a half since we last did uh, Central for Daniel Bryan. He's, he's He was interviewed recently. I, I can't remember who with, so apologies if I've not given credit here. But he basically, he praised the Forbidden Door concept that AEW, Impact, New Japan are currently operating with at the minute. They say, he said WWE should let their talent go elsewhere. It would certainly help the people who are frustrated. They aren't doing anything. And he was quite complimentary of Kenny Omega. And of course, after this past week on SmackDown, where he's been written, not only written off TV, but allegedly out of contract, rumours are swirling. Where does Daniel Bryan go next? Was, was this just a compliment to Kenny Omega? Or is Daniel Bryan maybe going to All Elite Wrestling? Yeah, I find this very, very interesting because, um, well, first of all, WWE, I hate you because you constantly suck me into the idea that Daniel Bryan is going to win the belt. At WrestleMania, I was like, Daniel Bryan's going to win the belt. And then he didn't. Then on SmackDown this week, when he faced Roman in his one last chance match, I was like, oh, it's his one last chance match. He's obviously going to win. He then lost. And uh, yeah, that was his loser leaves SmackDown match. And um, now, apparently, it's came out that D-Bryan doesn't even have a contract. This is going to make indie wrestling blow up, first of all. Um, people saying he's going to go to AEW. I stuck my bra- my background up with him holding the ROH belts because I bet your Ring of Honor fans just now are like, oh, get Daniel Bryan back, akin to Ross's hatred of people who want Drew back in ICW. Um, <laughs> don't, don't start. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I thought this was a really interesting story. 
But I have to say, I don't think, and I am so happy for this to get clipped up when it's true, but I don't think for a second that WWE have just let Daniel Bryan's contract expire. Did they not learn from CM Punk? Did they not learn from Jeff Jarrett in the 90s? Like, I, I think that he is still there. But I think something might have happened. I think he might have maybe taken a bit of a Rick Rude approach. He might have, maybe he's working like, not quite handshake agreement, but I don't think he's got, I, I don't think he's signed for another year, for example. I know that he signed his last contract last September. And so a lot of people thought that his next contract would be up in September, but here we are in May and apparently his contract's up. So I think something's definitely different with Daniel Bryan's contract this week. And um, but I'm, I don't think he's gone. As for the Kenny Omega stuff, I mean that's a dream match, isn't it? Is that? Do you guys know? Has that happened anywhere down down the leagues? Has that happened in Division One at some point? <laughs> I think I think it has happened in PWG and and Ring of Honor. I think at least one of those two. I know I know there's a clip out there of a PWG match, but Kenny Omega is noticeably a bit skinnier there. I think this is around 2009, something like that. So he's I don't think he's even wrestled in New Japan like more regularly. Yeah, so this is before everybody really knows about Kenny Omega in a more worldwide. He's not the cleaner yet. Yeah, um, I I agree with you, though, Chris. I don't think for a second WWE has just let it expire. I I also think Daniel Bryan has too many roots there with the you know the success of Total Bellas um, and Total Divas and Total Bellas. You know, the Bella Twins and Daniel Bryan are such a focal point in that. I don't think he would willy-nilly just give that up i think you know he he's very much family orientated so i think this would add to be a, a big discussion in his household and of course scott the bellas have just went into the hall of fame there's so much goodwill i don't think he would risk the bellas getting tarnished or punished just because he left yeah i don't think there's that much risk of anything happening to the bellas i think brian's put up this faith before because now, we've been here before when Brian felt like he could get back in the ring, WWE wouldn't clear him, and they threatened to go elsewhere, so then they did clear him, which I think was more so about WWE like, not wanting them to get injured kind of on their watch, because you know I think they didn't want to have that on their conscience, and so they managed to, to bring him back. I don't think him leaving is an automatic sign that he's going somewhere else, and I don't think if he was going to go anywhere, he would go to AEW, because I don't know if AEW would want to make him in just for one match, because... You know, I don't know if Brian would want to do like a big show style deal where I do some non-wrestling stuff, but then wrestle occasionally. He wants to try new things. He even mentioned CMLL in Mexico. He wants to go down there and wrestle. He wants to go more. And I think he's more likely to go to a Ring of Honor than an AEW. But I think the fact that he's his contract expired doesn't automatically mean he's going to AEW. Maybe he just wants time off because he talked about obviously issues with his neck again. That's why he's been wrestling more part time. Like he said, how he, his daughter likes climbing up on his shoulders and out in the garden. But sometimes. When he's out there, it hurts, and that's why they want me to pick up my children without being in like pain and all that. And uh, it was noble that that interview. I mean, I saw the clip of it, and he said about Omega, like what he what's good about what Omega does as opposed to the Bucks. He said he basically said that the Bucks like basically imitate, but also put a different spin on stuff they've watched as kids, like from the Rockers or the Hardys. Whereas a lot of Omega's stuff is that he try he's not afraid to try a new thing, which is why he thinks Omega's just that bit above the Bucks, which. It's fair, I and mean, I think also he has a different perspective on it, being a, a wrestler himself and everything. And I'm not, I, don't, I think he's probably going to take some time off. I don't think it's the last time we've seen him in WWE. If he does go elsewhere to wrestle, I'm sure he'll be back at some point. I doubt 
he's going to be one of these people who lets their contract expire and then appears on Jericho's podcast shitting on WWE. Nah, nah, nah I, I, that's honestly one thing I can't go. It's it's Chris Jericho who's become like you know Winnipeg's biggest Trump supporters, I call them, and he's also just become such a an absolute knob when it comes to WWE. You know what I mean? Um, but on Daniel Bryan, obviously he was in action this past Friday on SmackDown. Chris, you alluded to it. It was title versus career. It was if. Uh, Roman Reigns' universal title and Daniel Bryan's SmackDown contract. Um, this has sort of been a, a funny feud. It's sort of been like Daniel Bryan keeps forcing himself in. At the minute, Cesaro's trying to get Roman Reigns' attention and Roman Reigns is like brilliantly playing the heel, just like, I do not rate you as a threat. I do not rate you as a challenger. And then he just turns to Bryan and says, but you're annoying me. And that's why we're going to have this match. Match itself, I thought, was pretty good I, but the most notable thing from the match other than the result was Roman Reigns' new music sort of he's veering very much headfirst into this heel role this tribal chief role that we've seen since his return you know he's lost the bulletproof vest he's now lost the shield music is this WWE starting to get like get wise with Roman Reigns and starting to let him be his own thing as opposed to just a a shield tribute act absolutely and do you know what the only thing I, I think is they should have just done it sooner I think they could have easily debuted this music at Mania it wasn't that long ago at all and it, it would have been a nice place to kick that off much like when Lex Luger debuted his new music at Wrestlemania 10 I do believe one of the best theme tunes ever but yeah I love this <laughs> new I love this new version of Roman that we're getting my only worry is and I don't know what you guys think but this is is he getting to the stage where he's like too built up? Like it happened with Brock Lesnar. It, you know, it happened to an extent with Cena, but Cena, you know, there was always a possibility that guys could beat him. But right now, like there's nobody in the company that's believable to beat him. They've used Edge. So they've used the Royal Rumble storyline. They've used Daniel Bryan up to death now with this just last week. Even last week, it wasn't massively believable that Daniel Bryan was going to beat him. The whole point of the storyline was... Roman saying to him, I want to face you for the belt. You're not going to then drop the belt when he's, he's the one that challenges him. It'll make Roman look like an absolute fool. Um, so yeah, that's my only worry. I worry that the only solution WWE have for this is Brock Lesnar comes back at SummerSlam and beats Roman and we're back right where we started three years ago or however long it was when nobody could talk touch Brock Lesnar um, so I hope that's not the route they go don't get me wrong Roman as champion is the best thing that WWE has done in ages I said to the guys just before we came on tonight I am enjoying both Raw and Smackdown just now and I'm almost embarrassed to admit it that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come on is because I was like I've watched five hours of WWE wrestling this week and enjoyed it what the hell is wrong with me someone check my temperature um, so yeah Roman hmm, new era yeah you should have started it a month ago but yeah I'm, I'm still in I'm still in on it I think, as well, to your point about being built up, I think he's too built up for a Cesaro, and that's with the greatest respects to Cesaro. Um, you know, one one win against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania doesn't undo years of stop-start booking. But I, 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 I find that kind of intriguing because I don't know who's going to take it from him. I like to be kept guessing, you know what I mean? And also it's... It's prime for Money in the Bank, whenever I believe that is in June, for some underdog to get the belt, to get the briefcase then. 
and then be the one to beat Roman, you know what I mean? Like, just if Roman's done everything to avoid defending his title and do, defending his title fairly, and, you know, he's used his backstage influence, you know, um, I, I think someone cashing in on him would be very poetic justice, you know what I mean? So, and it could also be a way to move him out of, like, the title picture as well, because you could have him beat someone through nefarious means. Next night on, uh, sorry, the next week on SmackDown, they attack him and beat him down. The Money in the Bank guy comes in, wins the title. Roman goes off and fights for the guy that cost him the title. While the title, you know, while the new champion is built up in the background, you know what I mean? So there is plenty of storylines to go around there. And I, I like the fact that there's plenty of things to talk about, uh, Scott, because it keeps you guessing. And it's, it's all comes from what Chris said there, Roman Reigns being as champion being the best thing WWE's done in ages. Yeah, like, it's not just a case of him being too up. He's almost too good in this role that, remember, we were talking about on the Mania previews, like, it was almost like you can, it would be a great moment for Brian to get another big moment at Mania, or for Ez after all these years to win the title on the anniversary when he retired, but it was also the fact that Rome was just so good in this role, you didn't really want to see him lose, and yeah, like, at WrestleMania, they had Brian in that trouble there, which Brian also, we should mention in an interview, said that he didn't want to be in and now he somehow like he doesn't feel like he didn't need to watch it back. So I think that's again when you talk about him leaving it, maybe that's why he's allowed to regain some of that passion as it is for wrestling. But he had the perfect opportunity there with all triple threat. The champion he doesn't have to be pinned. They beat you over the head with that, so they could have easily had Brian pin Edge or Edge pin Brian, which Vince I think was up close to doing. And then the thing with Brian, I was I was surprised that they did that on SmackDown, but now they instead of backlash. But now that they've uh, we've talked about Brian's contract situation, it makes a lot more sense, and it's a big featured match for your weekly TV. And again, shows why SmackDown I think is so much better than the Raw has been the last few weeks. But yeah, I, I would have thought Cesaro would have been built up for Money in the Bank, and then that's how he can maybe beat Roman. But it seems like uh, maybe they're going to do some sort of thing with him and Roman, or maybe Roman, Seth, and Cesaro, and some sort of triple threat would be interesting. But I, I try to look at money like a few months ahead because ideally that's what WWE should be doing other than instead of last year just putting it on notice because lol he's fat <laughs> which is basically what Vince's idea was of that yeah. uh, and the only other person I can think of if you, if it's going to be a Smackdown guy that wins it the only person I can think is maybe Big E because we were all talking about him when it comes to the Rumble they quietened down put him in the IC title scene and he's kind of been freed up with that maybe he'll have one more match with Apollo uh, Backlash but I think after that he's freed up to maybe we might have up into that world title scene. Yeah, you could also. I think Big E would be believable because one, he's got the physique. Two, you've got a great storyline there of guys who have broken out of three-man tag teams to become their own stars. I think Big E could, you know, do the whole promo of you know we've had the exact same career, but you've been way more privileged than me. So. I, I would I would like that. Honestly, that's a good shout. I, I feel like the only other guy I would throw in is Kevin Owens, but I feel like he lost his shot with that, yeah. um, was it Falls Count Anywhere match or whatever they was yeah. that they did. Um, but yeah, Money in the Bank, by the way, 20th of June. So that's what, six weeks? Something like that. Not, that not long. Backlash was going to be this week, and it's, not, it's next weekend, I think. Like, I think maybe because Raw has particularly been so repetitive, I forgot when Backlash even was, but yeah, they still got a time that they've not thought of who they're going to have on the money bank. I think Owens is probably going to slip in and take Big E's place in the IC title scene against Apollo. Kind of looks like to me, but I think with Big E also, uh, I think Rollins, uh, I think Ambrose as well, and I think Big E himself has said that 
he was brought over to wherever they held Survivor Series in 2012 along with those three. And so for a while, it seemed like he was going to be part of the shield. And then they told him, actually, you're going to do your own thing with all these guys are going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. So they made him play off that, the idea that Big E could have taken Roman's place. Could Big E have been on, had the accolades that Roman's had so far rather than and, and Roman's idea like being the, the comedy guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll move from like a Roman and potential fantasy booking because God knows we can be here all day if we do. But um, as at, at time of recording, news is broke in the past 12 hours regarding what we were about to talk about, which is uh, Tessa Blanchard and Daga reportedly being, being in talks with All Elite Wrestling. Uh, WWE also have a thing on NXT called The Diamond Mine with, uh, with vignettes promoting something. It just... No one knows what it is. Is it a stable? Is it a superstar? Is it like is it a tournament? What is it? Um, in the past 12 hours, per Fightful Select and previous reports from Dave Meltzer, it now says that the Diamond Mine concept is not being hyped to push the idea that Tessa Blanchard may be signing with WWE. So that's, that's that, uh, Kai Bosch. She's not going to WWE. And according to Dave Meltzer, people at the previous... Uh, sorry, AEW's latest television tapings gave a firm no when asked if Blanchard was in negotiations with Tony Khan's company. So, for, for those of you that don't know about Tessa Blanchard, Tessa Blanchard, great women wrestler, uh, first woman to win the Impact World Championship, but on the eve of like, what was going to be a historic victory, a lot of stuff came out about her uh, basically bullying people, uh, being rather derogatory towards people's race, uh, religion, and what have you. Um, reports that she had spat at people, basically basically being a locker room bully. And uh, that sort of killed her Impact career. You know, she stopped showing up at Impact at the start of the pandemic in March 2020, uh, sort of held the world title hostage. She's not been seen since. Uh, Daga, who's her partner, uh, in AAA in Mexico, I believe. He's um, he's also kind of suffered just through association here. A lot of companies are not touching him either. Um, Chris, what were your thoughts of you know the Tessa Blanchard in- incident when it happened? And what were your thoughts of when you've seen reports that Tessa Blanchard might be going to either WWE or AEW? The thing that's mad about it is Tessa Blanchard's obviously made some huge mistakes which are going to... T- cost her for the remainder of her career. Tessa Blanchard had the potential with both her family nepotism connections as alongside her absolutely amazing, you know, just general physique and demeanour as a wrestler. She had potential to go all the way to the top of women's wrestling in America. Like, genuinely become one of the biggest wrestling stars for WWE. But I think that everything came out with that came out with impact has spoiled all that. And regardless of what's true and what's not, because we don't know the whole story of all that, th- that's gonna haunt her, especially after everything that went on with the speaking out movement. Cause I think that came out just before all that happened. So that's gonna tarnish her career for God knows how long. And also that's gonna tarnish companies by association. If AEW do sign her, as you said, which it doesn't look like they're gonna do, or WWE decide to go down that route, then they're gonna get Tor- like absolute torrents of abuse 
from their fans being like, what are you doing? This is a spit in the face of all the women that she stepped on on her way to the top or and men that she stepped on on her way to the top as well. So, yeah, even me, like I've seen her wrestle a handful of times because um, she sort of came through an impact at a time when I wasn't watching it. I have, you know, I, I, I thought she was very, very impressive, but I, even I can't get by what came out in the media about her it's like that would be like turning around and, and signing one of these speaking out guys it'd be like wwe signing um what's your man that started tried to start the indie union it'd be like oh, WWE. it'd be like it'd be like wwe signing him and then just being like yeah he was never a wrestler before 2015 i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> so um i think it's on on that sort of level so yeah i'm i'm not sure like when the stuff came out about the diamond mine, I like probably some of you immediately went, ah, Diamond Dallas Page, that was his wrestling <laughs> stable in WCW in 1991. Um, so is this the big comeback of Scott Hall that we've always wanted uh, managed by Diamond Dallas Page? Probably not, especially on NXT. But um, yeah, I'm curious to see what these two things are, whether they're related. Uh, but yeah, for me... Tessa, it's a big no-no. Not even with her dad trying to help her into AEW. I don't think it should happen. Yeah, and Scott, obviously, Chris mentioned the speaking out movement. A lot of people not forced out, kicked out, and rightfully so, for their behaviour. But we did see a lot of, not a lot of, some incidents where WWE and other companies have said to investigate people and they've, they've found nothing. So they, people have continued to work in AEW and WWE, but the old saying, mud sticks. Um, there's people like Sammy Guevara and Riddle who are still getting tarnished with things. They tarnished to a level for things they said but didn't do, mm-hmm. or things they're alleged to have did. Uh, I'm trying to word this properly because yeah. I don't agree with any, you know, anything mm-hmm. that's been alleged. But obviously, we need to be careful and say it's all allegations at this point but to have someone come in who's been and especially with Hulk Hogan recently Hulk Hogan's the key example Hulk Hogan this year when he hosted Wrestlemania was booed out the building he was he's not apologised for his comments uh, his leaked comments about black people and he's continued to work in WWE Tessa Blanchard not only rubbished the claims but made it out as if it was just because people were jealous of her Mm -hmm. so do you, do you see a way back in for her in a top promotion? Or do you think her time in a top promotion in America is sort of done? I think that's, that's the kind of thing that's going to follow you around because the main reason people started tweeting about it is that the night before, like it was seen as obviously a big deal, and it was that as a woman she was winning the Impact World Championship uh, in a story that had been going for nearly a year with Sammy Callahan. But then she said, oh, we should all support each other, you know, especially women. And then a bunch of people said, like, well, were you supporting this person when you did this and that? And then that's when it all came in. And the fact also they went ahead and did it. And it was it was a shame because at the time it felt like a big move for Impact. We've always, I think, seemed very uh, progressive promotion with the, the the fact that they've had intergender matches and the fact that they've had this feel like they had Tessa defending against Taya Valkyrie. I remember at the time talking to a friend of mine who also loves Impact, the idea of, well, what if they did the thing where women can chance for the world thing and they can unify their knockouts in the world title and then that all fell apart because originally there was the five way that was planned for Slammiversary was going to be Tessa defending but also it was meant to feature Michael Elgin who also got tarnished with this speaking out thing and you know a lot of people came in and spoke to him just being a general arsehole and that mm. like he tried to blame Tamatonga for him not being in New Japan and then Tamatonga basically came in and said like no you're not in New Japan because you're a dick 
I'm paraphrasing that's what he said, but he did use a lot of explosives. But so they're not almost Johnny's impact for or almost by association, but I think they managed to recover and yeah, like Daga, I think they're both in a relationship in, in real life as well as wrestling and he's one of the most non distinct wrestlers I've ever seen. He's so <laughs> nothing he got a nothing face. <laughs> he he was in a faction in Lucha Underground as well with two people who have gone to do better things with he was in there with Luchasaurus and Thunder Rosa. At the same look where they are and look where he is. And so I think those two will probably maybe stick to stick to uh, wrestling in Mexico because I know there were all these rumours that AEW were planning some sort of redemption thing for for, for Tessa, but I don't think with what we're talking about now that they they'd want that bad publicity on them. And as far as the diamond main thing is, like some people are now expecting it's going to be a faction now, and with the whole thing of these people working in some sort of gym and this like MMA kind of facility that they're looking at people who have been signed at the performance day with amateur baron is a guy called Parker Pordrow, who's everybody's saying he's basically a young Brock Lesnar and uh, Rick Steiner's son is apparently there in the PC. I cannot remember his name because I find the Steiner's real name really hard to pronounce. No, Rick, Rick the Steiner or something. So, something like that. But so you know, there's any possibility maybe it's a way to debut review because like one thing the PC doesn't have it's a shortage of new people for them to put on TV. Yeah, absolutely. Um well, from you mentioned not a shortage of people to put in factions there. Uh, from to a company that doesn't have a shortage of factions, we're jumping <laughs> back to AEW here. Um, Blood and guts uh, is this? It's tonight at time of recording. We're recording on Wednesday. Um, Blood and guts. For those of you who don't know, it's basically a war games match. They don't have the rights to do war games, but it's going to be like an old school WCW war games where there's no pinfalls. It's submission or so. Uh, was it submission or surrender? Yeah. Yeah, so um, you actually told me this one, Scott, and you kind of know more here, so I'll let you take the lead on this one. Right. Jericho's talked about how this match won't be the end of Pinnacle versus mm-hmm. Inner Circle. It's just going to be like the jumping off point. But he's also had some derogatory comments to make this week about Impact. Uh, mm-hmm. So just your floor is yours. Yeah, I think he may have been on Wrestling Observer. They may have invited him on to talk about it. And he says, I can't tell you how far in advance we've been planning this because AEW, to, be, to their credit, have uh, seemed like they do plan a lot of stuff out in advance. Uh, but he said, we can't tell you how far back, but we can't tell you it's been months in the making. You know, We know that they did that thing, the do you want to be in their circle like in 2019. I don't think it was far that far back, but you know that at some point mid-2020 they must have been planning it. So it's been going for like a good six, nine months probably, and that's why I'm speculating so and they said they've got more coming, so I think maybe even though we were so like obvious, well, it's obviously going to be in our circle, maybe this makes you think Pinnacle win and then the real payoff is a Jericho versus MJF kind of match, but Jericho is the face now and MJF is the is the heel, maybe it'll be more entertaining than their full gear match, maybe because that was on a very long card at 3 in the morning, the semi-main event that match yeah. and I'm like, come on, just get to Moxley versus Kings and that's what I care about <laughs> But and what he said about impact, I don't think he was knowing Jericho was probably not mean to sound as derogatory as he was. But basically, he was talking about how the the relationship favors impact more than AEW. And to be fair, it kind of does with way impact pick up like Kenny Omega appearing and like whereas Kenny Omega appears on Dynamite and gets they're lucky if you get one mention that he's the Impact World Champion. And then somebody asked him like, which is fair enough because you know they're trying to make this thing if you don't know who can show up in Impact. And so they asked Jericho, are you going to show up? And he basically said that, you know, I don't feel like I need to. 
and all that. Because he didn't, didn't want to wrestle in an empty sound studio, like, well, even though they're, they're owned by Anthem, who have a fair bit of money, I mean, they own the channel that Impact Air is on. They don't have the money to buy their own fucking outdoor stadium with their dad's money or something like that. Yeah. So AEW are more fortunate that they can get a crowd in, whereas Impact are more close-based. And, you know, this kind of ties into, like, uh, there were rumours of people that Sammy Guevara was meant to show up and, and win the X Division title, and it was Jericho may have had a part in that, where I think he was meant to take Ace Austin's place in a match with TJP at Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unless he was going to show back up with the like, an X Division title... An impact, which I don't think he would have done because well, that Kerry Mike has even had the belt, the physical impact belt on AEW yet. Then it's probably best that they didn't do that. And plus, given the fact that Pammy Guevara, when he came back, the first thing he did along the air circle was get beat up by the pinnacle, would have really hurt impact. Like, hey, look, I've got their belt, and now I'm getting beat the shit beat out of me. Yeah, um, Chris, we we touched on it last week about how there's a, a mixed response to the impact AEW working relationship about how. Impact obviously been around longer, it's got more of a history, but AEW is, you know, the the only company in the world that can match WWE money for money, you know what I mean? Um, AEW is the new kid on the block, it's the cool thing at the minute. So, on one hand, it looks like the TNA people aren't as good, sort of invasion style 2001, where Kenny Omega just comes in and wins their title. But at the same time, TNA... People are arguing that, well, TNA are getting nine times the buy rate that they usually get for their pay-per-views. That's the sort of pull that he has here. That is a really good point, I believe, you know, about the buy rate. But at the same time, when you've got AEW wrestlers, you know, there was the story that Sammy Guevara, as Scott mentioned, was meant to win their title, but he apparently refused to like, go to Impact. He saw it as a demotion. Chris Jericho, his comments, I don't want to go wrestle on an empty sound stage. It just seems like... It's such a such a demeaning way to speak to people who you're meant to be partners with. It's like you don't help someone to constantly let them remind them we're helping you. You help someone because it's beneficial. You know what I mean? You you don't rub people's nose in it. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing that Sammy's comments and Chris Jericho's comments have in common. That is that essentially they're both right. Impact is a massive step down now from AEW. AEW's far surpassed what Impact has done since AEW's come onto the scene. Like, I I watched Impact this week and the show opened um, with them having all of the roster around the ring and the first thing I thought was like, where are the stars of this company? No wonder they've put the belt on Kenny. I, I don't know who else they would have the belt on. Um, it, 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 it's interesting because you put your belt on someone who's not in your company and you set a, a dangerous precedent of like, oh, well, who else is going to come? Well, it's probably nobody. That's the issue here is now you're going to have the same issue in TNA. It's like, oh, well, who's going to be the next champion? And and also, Kenny's the champion of about 375 different companies at the moment. So he's not going to be on Impact every week because it's either that or he's not going to be on AAA every week or it's either that or he's not going to be on AEW every week. So they're constantly going to have this issue. I think it was a bad move for them to do this with Kenny Omega. It, it, TNA or Impact is no now desperately wants to be back in a prestigious position. I, I don't know if they'll be able to do that. They are a company which, you know, has the history and the lineage of TNA, but in the last decade, 
has became a different company. Now, they desperately want to have the prestige of that previous company. But essentially, it was a new company that formed in the last decade. Ross, does, I don't know if this sounds like anything that you Listen, might know I, about. I, I made sure Ryan Gallagher wasn't on this show to make jokes <laughs> like that, okay? So I don't need you, okay? <laughs> I was like, as I was saying it, I was like, oh, wait. So there's an opportunity here to mention <laughs> yeah. something. Anyway, anyway, TNA, Impact. Yeah, um, and, and also, like, <laughs> the, so... Jericho and, and Guevara being like, well, I don't want to go to TNA. You can kind of see why. Like, they didn't sign the agreement between both companies. Can and whoever it is that represents Impact these days, Scott Demore or something like that, they signed that. Then they signed to say that they're going to send their wrestlers. The wrestlers are just getting sent. There's no massive financial benefit of an AEW wrestler going to TNA. There's no massive like uh, increase in exposure for that wrestler either. So like you can see why the wrestlers wouldn't be asked about going. What's the benefit in it for them? Yeah, it's very true. Uh, just on your point about Kenny Omega being champion in about five different promotions, um, you also have, obviously, you mentioned... The wrestlers didn't sign this agreement. The wrestlers are signed to set set companies. What happens when TNA decide, right, we want, or sorry, Impact, what happens when they decide we want our title back, we want wrestler A to win this belt, and they go, really? No, you want our world champion to lose to him? Yeah, that's not a good look for our company, so we're going to say no. And like... What's the worst you can do? Strip Kenny Omega of the title? It'll still be he didn't beat him. Your company looks weaker. Their company looks stronger. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's an odd position to be in. And I know Don Callis is on TV every week, and him and Scott Demore are like the people who like run Impact now. But at the same time, it is it's a risky position to be in. Uh, Scott, I know you had other thoughts on yeah. some of the things, Chris. And like. I think the story was at the time with the Guevara thing that Tony Khan was a bit annoyed with Guevara because Tony Khan is, is very happy with the relationship that they're doing and obviously he doesn't want to do anything to get rock the boat or anything. He doesn't want to be give the, the reputation that Vince got back in the day with like, screwing over other companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and they'll same like you know Guevara and Jericho are featured guys, but Kenny Omega is pretty much the guy that they've got even before I think he won the title. And I think it's weird when you see these guys saying, like, well, I don't want to go like, yeah, Kenny's going. So what makes you think that you're bigger than Kenny? I mean, like, you can see with Jericho, but like Guevara's position, like, why are you a better position to refuse than the Omega, who's clearly willing to go? And apparently with Callis and their involvement, there was plans to do this thing like even months before they even did it. But I'm, I'm, I think what Impact is over because they're doing this whole thing with somebody's going to show up, some people are going to show up and return it, uh, Slammiversary. They're also doing this thing with Kenny, so I think they're hoping for a more extended interest in new and in, in and get some new eyes on it because. As good as last year's Slammiversary was, what I noticed as an Impact fan shortly afterwards is that some people joined for a week or two after Slammiversary, but uh, people Impact had an issue of keeping people interested. And so I think the whole storyline with Kenny and then the thing with uh, people trying to get the belt back because they're having a six-way at their next Impact Plus special uh, where you've got already qualified uh, Chris Bay and Matt Cardona. And on this Thursday's one, uh, tonight, as, you're, as this is being released... Uh, You've got Rhino versus Chris Saban and James Storm versus Moose. And I think a lot of people, like me and Sarah included, said about Moose, but now they've teased Sammy Callahan getting the title and uh, Omega and the Good Brothers fighting Finjus and Eddie Edwards at, uh, at Under Seas, their next Impact Plus special. So 
they've got the talent there to try and get the like these interpersonal matches. It's just a case of where they can keep this interest kind of going, and you know at least have some people show because that's what nothing Jericho said. Like, who are they going to bring? Like, well, you've got guys who are world champions who are known by the same fans that know you. Like having Sammy Callahan show up. I I said I thought they missed an opportunity to have Callahan show up when they're still going up against NXT because if they won that week. I can play up to his nickname of the draw. I said, "Well, you're welcome for winning in the ratings, even though it probably wasn't to do with him." But that's what he would do. Yeah, no, no, it's a good point. Um, I, I do agree with what Chris said about how Impact is desperate to be back to a relevant state. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not not relevant because they are relevant, but like I'm a more relevant state, the second biggest company, and they're not now. You know, you you look at it. For viewership, certainly in America, even New Japan, I think, would trump them. And Ring of Honor, although it's taking a hit, you're probably looking that they're actually neck and neck in actual viewers. Uh, so they're joint fourth at the minute. Um, but at the same time, I think when people are making comments like this, it does seem a little sharp and be grateful. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're the big guys. You'll take, you know, you'll take your loan players, you know what I mean? You'll yeah. take... You'll take your George Edmondsons and Jordan Jones and you'll like it, you know what I mean? And <laughs> it, 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 it's just... interesting what you say about the, the belts and, and like what if one company's not happy with the direction it's going in because this exact situation happened in TNA when they still had the NWA belts yeah. and NWA wanted, I think it was Christian Cage or Kurt Angle at the time, wanted them to defend the belt against such and such. And TNA were like, nah. And that led to the dissolution of NWA, TNA, and TNA having to create all their own new belts again. So, like, you would think they would learn from their mis- them, their previous mistakes and not get themselves into this situation. It's a, it is a theme throughout the, throughout the history of T- NWA, TNA, TNA, TNA Impact, TNA Global Force, Global Force Impact, and just Impact. You know, they've been rebranded so many times. They do not learn from the mistakes, no matter how how talented the roster, or how many times they're on a sound footing. There is always something that trips TNA up, and it's like it, it feels like one step forward, ten steps back at certain times with TNA. Um, but you mentioned obviously Kenny Omega being champion in multiple promotions. He's the AAA champion, the AAA Mega champion uh, in Mexico. Recently released superstar from WWE Andrade has said he wants to challenge for the AAA Mega title against Kenny Omega. Scott, that's a, that's a dream match right there, I think. Andrade, mm-hmm. who we saw in NXT, could have great matches with the likes of Aleister Black. Ty Dillinger, he had some great matches with him. Mm-hmm. Johnny Gargano, he had some absolutely belters with him. You know, he's he's a guy that was underutilised on the main roster and he's going up against possibly the hottest star other than Roman Reigns mm-hmm. in wrestling today in Kenny Omega. Yeah, definitely. And also a lot of people will be happy to see what Andrade gets up to because Andrade's competed in, in New Japan as, as La Sombra when he was at our math, but I think Kenny was still in the junior division at that time. I think he wouldn't have graduated to heavyweight until after Andrade stopped wrestling in, in New Japan. So they don't think they would have wrestled back then. So it's interesting. Uh, probably a first time ever like match. And like it's interesting that Andrade's kind of taking his time before getting my dressing because he didn't have a non-compete uh, with his when he got his release. So he could have dove back in in Mexico when he wanted to because like there was a 
there was a, a show recently where he played this video challenge. You know, Mega. I don't think Mega was even at the show, but he he could have wrestled on that show if he wanted to. But instead, he's, he's having his first match in July against uh, everybody's favorite heat magnet, Alberto Patron. Yeah, that that's um, we t- we talked to just a quick. We talked about Tessa Blanchard um, possibly not getting back into wrestling. You know, rightly or wrongly, depending on how you view it. I think we can all agree that. Alberto Del Rio or Alberto El Patron or whatever he's going by, you know, you only need to Google that guy to see what he's done. He mm-hmm. he should be far away from wrestling. I think the promotion is partly run by him anyway, which is why I think he's even get. I think also the fact that he has he's from a noteworthy Mexican family is part of the reason why he's still even working. I think the promotion that he and Andrade are wrestling at is partly run by him and Chavo, Chavo Guerrero. So, you know, I don't know what Chavo is doing mixing up with that particular, but you know. I would I would love to see Andrade versus you know, even though I don't get to see also a lot of Mexican wrestling and he challenged him at Triple Mania which I don't think they confirmed a date but they're looking August or September time so it's still a ways away so they're building some uh, some intrigue with that and you know I, I'm definitely I think it's, if you think about Max it's going to get people who probably wouldn't watch Triple A and watching it because you know Triple A I mainly know it from because every 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 year some teams go wrong and it pops up on Boxing Mania like a uh, uh, Vampiro not getting joining in a run in until his music's played. <laughs> Fuck's sake. If there's ever more prima donna behaviour, I've never heard it. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I think that would be a good match, Chris. But again, you know, AEW's world champion holds that title. What if they're not happy with the fact that maybe Andrade, you know, you know he's not done anything wrong, but he's his first match is going to be against Alberto. He's taking that match. You know maybe they don't want to be associated with him. Maybe Triple A want to go that route, but Kenny Omega's got the title, and you know there, there's a lot of factors here that could come into play. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just reading that uh, Kenny Omega hasn't defended the Triple A belt since December. Obviously, that's a lot to do with the pandemic and the company being in Mexico, but. Um, Let's face the facts here. If there's one star who could go to AAA and become an absolute superstar, it's got to be Andrade. Like mm. it, it's it, <laughs> you've got all the the class and prestige of what Alberto had, but with less gear involved. And uh, <laughs> I, I I'm all in on him going there and becoming an absolute star. You you saw he beat Drew for the NXT belt, didn't he? Yes, yes, and and, and I, and I just. I distinctly remember at that time thinking, you are an absolute star. He's got a great physique. He's got great moveset. And obviously, he was one of those wrestlers who suffered by going to uh, WWE's main shows because he couldn't really cut a promo and, you know, having a mouthpiece on him didn't really work. Um, if you can go to a company a company that's just focused on pure wrestling and not as much promo, or <laughs> if you can also cut a promo in the language that the company yeah. is based in, um, that's a huge, huge selling point. So, yeah, I'm all in on this. Um, I hope that, uh, no pun intended, um, of course, because I've, I've read that the match is scheduled to take place at Triple Mania if that goes ahead. But Triple Mania is also going to be around the time of All Out. So people are, you know, debating whether or not both of these matches will happen with Kenny and Andrade and Kenny fighting, uh, you know, for some other belt and uh, for some other wrestler for the AEW belt around that time as well. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see if all this pans out. But, um, yeah, Andrade going to AAA and becoming a huge star, I'm, I'm well into that. Um, 
heading back to WWE this week. Um, at time of recording, the two shows that we've seen this week, uh, Raw and NXT, three tag team title matches. The Raw tag team title was defended. Uh, AJ Styles and Omos predictably beating the New Day again. Um, Lana and Naomi, they lost to Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax using a bit of help from Reginald to, to get the win. And the big surprise of the week, um, the way Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell winning the NXT Women's Tag Team titles uh, from Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. Um, I'll, we'll touch quickly on AJ Styles and Omos. Um, you talked about Roman being built up too much, Chris. <laughs> Is there a danger that AJ Styles and Omos are built up too much for yes. this to... Or is it a danger of almost being built up too much that AJ Styles comes out looking the weaker? Yes. However, I'm much more fine with this because it's tag team wrestling. And in tag team wrestling, there are weaknesses that you can exploit to make the matches better. For instance, the New Day are a phenomenal tag team. Like, But you can exploit stuff like, oh, but his partner has been injured on the outside and the other guy in the ring gets battered and it's two on one and that's how you defeat, you know, the unbeatable New Day. With uh, AJ and Omos, you've got this whole deal where like, oh, well, what if, you know, the New Day take Omos up the ramp and tie him to the stage and then beat up AJ and pin him and win the belts? That's what you can exploit uh, with this. So, yes, they're they're obviously built up massively just now, but you can, you can sort of, you can tap into the sort of tag team hijinks to make this work and I think that's what they're going to do um, whenever AJ and Omos eventually drop the belts to somebody it'll be some sort of like fluke um, you know it's not going to be somebody beating Omos clean again clip that up when it happens <laughs> exactly like that um, so yeah and and also you've got a pretty good setup for an AJ versus Omos feud at some point way down the line as well if they lose the belts Omos turns on AJ AJ you know, as a face on a big run to try and defeat the, you know, unbeatable Omos. I think the, the, their, I'm fine with their run. I, I, I thought when it started, why the hell have you put AJ Styles in a tag team? He's the one wrestler who's got everything and doesn't need a partner. But now I'm, I'm kind of on board with it now. I didn't see them winning at Mania, but now I'm fine with it. It's worked for me. Yeah, and Scott, we obviously we talked about who beats them. Who beats Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler? Because they've sort of ran through every proper team that's there, you know, bar maybe a, you know, a Charlotte Asuka super team again, or people to that effect. I don't see them losing that title anytime soon, but at the same time, I really don't care about the titles. Me neither. To go back to the Raw title thing, uh, it's really hard for a team to get built up in a division that's got three other teams in it. You've got. <laughs> New Day, Viking Raiders, or uh, the Lucha House Party, and like you had Cedric and Shelton, but then they got an argument. Looks like they're broken up after yet another loss. They lost to the Lucha House Party. Imagine the indignity. <laughs> uh, they lost to them this week, and like then it's nearly broken up. So the Vision's got barely anybody in it, and that's probably going to be the main reason why they. I think the AJ and almost you know, the thing with the New Day or the Viking Raiders that we had with the Street Profits v Buddy. Uh, Angel Garza not in Andrade no, no, last no. year and I think the only team to really beat them is probably that's believable is the Viking Raiders but then we fall into the same problem we had the Viking Raiders first reign when they were coming out having squash matches every week because there just isn't any proper teams on Raw and 
there are there are actually some proper teams in the women's division, but like now and Shana when they won the women's titles, I was excited because it was a new team that beat Sasha and Bailey and they helped progress there after and now that they're losing all their belts and everything. But then they were the team that didn't get along. Then they then they had a common thing that they got they were that they both enjoyed doing, which is bullying Lana. Then they lost to Charlotte and Asuka for no reason. Won them back and then suddenly went from the team that doesn't get along to the team that nobody can beat. The fucking demolition in the late eighties. <laughs> suddenly, you know, beating people from NXT, you know, SmackDown. And then you think, oh, WrestleMania is where the thing get come up and they lo- they lo- they beat a team that nobody could give less of a fuck about and teaming in Natalia, but they're still somehow feuding with on SmackDown despite also doing this. And they were teasing a thing between Mandy Rose and Dana because they made fun of Mandy's fall, which has been edited out of the network, so it doesn't make any sense. And then Naya fails, <laughs> and now they're laughing. The faces are laughing at the heels, and then they're fighting Lana and Naomi for the thousandth time when nobody cared about the Lana storyline when it happened, and nobody cares about it now. Yeah. Um, from one women's division that's floundering to one that's thriving, Chris, the fact that there's two hours of NXT TV a month, and yet there's more fleshed-out characters, you know, that have been on TV, you know, the fact that a six-month character like Zaya Lee is more fleshed out than a 10-year character like Natalia. It's a big <laughs> issue. But I'm very glad they have their own women's tag titles. And they've only been around for about two months. That's the third time they've changed already. It seems like a... It, it seems to go with the division itself. It's very unpredictable. And glad to finally see Candice LeRae picking up a title because... She was in danger of becoming like Johnny Gargano in 2018-2019 where it was just like, he was the nearly guy. He was the guy to have a good match but he was never the guy to win the title. So the fact that they've actually won the titles now, I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, and this leaves us in a really good place. I, I you know, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't know the NXT tag uh, women's tag titles existed before WrestleMania weekend and then when I watched the match that they had uh, uh, stand, stand and deliver. I, when I watched that match, I was like, "Oh, that was that was actually decent. I quite liked that match." And then, uh, obviously, this week, Sh- Shot Shotzi Blackheart is that how you say her name? And Ember Moon have lost the belts. This leaves us in a very nice place where it used to be, if you'll remember, in NXT, if you had a really good run with the belts, uh, with the belt, I should say, any of the the NXT main belts, you would then get bumped up. To Raw or SmackDown, and as you say, Raw or SmackDown's female tag team division is kind of mince. This leaves them in a really good opportunity to put Blackheart and Ember Moon up to Raw or SmackDown. Have them go against them for the belts. You know they've they've pretty much done in every other team, and Shotzi and Ember Moon have ran their course with NXT belts. So why not take this opportunity to move them up? Ember Moon's been there before. Shotzi Blackheart's been in at least one Royal Rumble, maybe two, I can't quite remember. So yeah, for me, this is the chance. They have to do this. I loved Ember Moon when she was um, on Raw back in the day. Did she not just basically get injured and then end up back in NXT, something along those lines? So yeah, yeah, and and she had an amazing theme tune as well, which I'm sad we don't hear anymore. But yeah, do this. WWE, there's one thing you could do this week, just get them up on Raw this Monday. I, th- I think Ember's theme is, as much of a belter as it was, was one of the victims of, you know, the law- losing of the CFO uh, deal mm-hmm. and then all the themes being changed, which is a uh, really gotten for her. Uh, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but the story there was a story going around that 
uh, Raquel and Dakota after winning the Women's Dusty Classic were meant to win these belts and not have that match with Nia and Shayna, which is why it was had that really shaky finish. But the belts weren't ready yet, which is why they've done this quick change. And yet, it is weird that they've changed so quickly. And I believe the only thing I really know about the storyline is that uh, there's a, a note, uh, some flowers in that were sent to Ember and Shotzi with a note saying from Dexter Loomis, which upset Indy Hartwell. But obviously, people are looking at it like, ah, they're waiting for the moment to reveal that. No, it was Candice who sent that to get Indy to focus again, mm-hmm. which I think is a bigger deal for Indy to have the titles when you think about it than, than Candice given how still fairly new Indy Hartwell is to the scene. And I was shocked again there that they, they had this happen on 3D and the fact that the titles changed hands again. And I'm wondering if when, I thought they were going to do the payoff of like Indy finding out the truth and getting distracted and then the chance to retain and help build those belts up. Uh, so I'm going to see what happens now with the storyline. It, it makes gets you more interested in the way, because I know some people aren't fans of them because they're seen as a bit too goofy at times, but I kind of <laughs> like that about them. But... Uh, it's weird that they seem so, even with all these title teams, they seem more fleshed out than the main rosters ones. Like Ember and Shotzi were thrown together team for the uh, for Robert War Games and they kept the team for the Dusty Classic and then they won the tag titles. But still feel more like a team than Nia and Shayna or Lana and Naomi or Mandy and Dana. Basically any team other than the right squad on the main roster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, Scott, on the way, I know you mentioned people don't like them because they're maybe seen a bit too goofy. One of my pet peeves is when someone who is just, like someone who has lost so many times becomes all of a sudden unbeatable or everyone's scared of him. You know, I like the fact that Johnny Gargano now has cronies, now has people to, he now has people who are doing his bidding and he's trying to come off all serious, but everyone just does not take him serious. You know what I mean? He's he's that He's that school bully that no one's actually afraid of. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... I think it's quite funny, uh, the way they present them. And I think they were in danger of becoming like teams on the main roster, where it's like they lost so many times that it wouldn't be believable for them to win the titles. I think it was done at the right time, and I like the fact that it plays into the Dexter Loomis story. It plays into the fact that there's going to have to be a rematch. It also plays into the... The disillusion of the way, you know what I mean? So there's a lot going on in the NXT women's division, a lot going on in the NXT men's division as well with Finn Balor's return. Finn Balor returned this week to NXT and immediately ended up in a multi-person brawl with the likes of Karrion Cross, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano attacks Karrion Cross later on in the day. Scott, so many people, um, we, we talked about Raw being very repetitive and, you know, Drew and Bobby... A hot feud to Mania feels like it's dragging and the addition of Braun doesn't feel as big as it would have two years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on SmackDown, Cesaro v. Roman, what will be a good match, but it's not going to be believable that Cesaro beats Roman after what we spoke about earlier. This here, although Karrion Cross might be over, over-hyped or over-pushed, depending on who you ask, there's still a multitude of challengers lining up to take him on. Yeah, I think what they're doing on Raw, especially with their main matches with the women's and the WWE's, that they're basically, oh, we've taken the, the match we had at Mania and we've added someone, so that makes it new. Aye. I know, so it's, you know, it's like when, they, when, when, a, when a company of a software tries to rebrand it, but it's the same shit in that bottle. Aye, exactly. Uh, aye. Uh, but with, with NXT, I was, wasn't sure how to take it first when I saw the segment, because, you know, you got Balor, you knew there'd be a rematch. 
Ben O'Reilly, who's had two opportunities, and then the most recent Tegro Challenger before Cross and Pete Dunn. So at first I was worried that NXT was being repetitive, but like you got some of the best people to do that with because Cole doesn't Cole could easily slip in there, but you know I don't know if carrying Cross them there. You don't know if they're play training him as a, a tweener or as a straight up heel at times. He's he was a heel when he won the title, but it seems more of a tweener here, especially now that he's fighting Austin Theory next week after Theory kind of in his own stupidity like made an idiot of himself in front of Scarlet and uh, maybe that could tie in Digger. I don't think if anything will really come with that because I think the main payoff to that will be something to do with Loomis but I can see another shot against Kyle O'Reilly but at the moment I don't see who's believable. I don't think it'll be anybody who's challenged recently that'll take the title across which is, which is what's good about Cross and unlike when you talk about Roman that being bit too built up I think it's good that you don't know who can take a bit off Cross, because I think Cross is many have a long reign anyway. So let him ha- let this reign play out and let's see who they build up to take it off him. Yeah, Chris, would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I, th- I think that NXT is more believable um, for a random person to beat the champion. Um, it's like it sort of reminds me of early days of TNA when sort of there was this group of about ten wrestlers who you could all on a weekly basis have a match with the champion believably beat them um i think finn brings something to nxt which i think they need constantly and that is star power they constantly have this sort of you know movement of talent to the bigger shows and it means that sometimes it's difficult to watch nxt because you're like oh who is this other performance center jobber um, got, it's dead difficult to get behind it so I think Finn Balor being there has, has massively helped that um, so so yeah I, I like that he's back in that conversation again and um, you can you can use Finn Balor to help elevate those other wrestlers up to his and carrying Cross's re- level Yeah I, I think I mentioned it before but I'm going to there's somebody who wasn't in this mix I think could easily be slotted back into it uh, when he's done with Whatever this thing with the with, with his tag team is involved, in. I don't think he and Thatcher are going to win the tag titles. But I think Champa is a strong shout to beat Cross because there needs to be some like payoff or some like you know coming back around after like uh, he got squashed by carrying it in your house. So you know, similar so to what Chris was saying earlier, you know, feel free to clip this if he loses it to somebody else and <laughs> still see how wrong I was. Well, there is a, a multitude of options, and we talked about how. The women's tag team division, there's not a lot of options, but there could be a new stable, Chris. Evolution is a mystery. <laughs> and even more of a mystery is where has Eva Marie been? Because she's back, baby. She's back and she's coming after you. Um, we've seen promos for the former All Red Everything, Eva Marie. Uh, she was saying about how she's back. She's made a success of herself. She stood next to a Lamborghini. And she says, I want to inspire people and help other people get their big break like I did. So it looks like she's going to come in and be a manager. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how delighted were you to see Eva Marie back? <laughs> well, <laughs> when you said this was in the headlines this week, I, th- I said to you, make sure you get this in. I want to talk about this. <laughs> Ross, let, let me take you on a journey. The date was April 3rd, 2016. The day was WrestleMania 32. This was Eva Marie's last televised match in the WWE. Now, that night was very important to me because I went on my first date with my current other half. I say current, my other half, uh, Lucy. (laughs) 
here we are. Uh, this weekend we've been going out for five years. And Ross, that sentence which I've just delivered to you is already a billion times more interesting than Eva Marie's entire WWE career. Like, I couldn't want to see the back of her more. Like, and I don't mean that in a way that she's got a nice anything. Um, she <laughs> is the most... Like, I remember when she came in in 2013, people calling her green, and I don't think she's improved at all. There was chat that when she went on a bit of a feud with Bailey in 2013 that her wrestling had somewhat improved. But it's just, it's never, it's never been there for me. I just do not want any of my television time being taken up with her. And when you look at in a world we currently have where WWE have just released the Iconics and they've just released uh, Mickey James, like, what, what basis do they have for re-signing her? I know she's been there since October, so it's not like these were a like-for-like switch. And, like, you've already played the angle where Eva Marie gets her tits out. So what else is she back for? If she is back to be a manager, that's at least slightly better than, you know, um, her coming back to wrestle. But I don't want her on television at all. I don't want to look at her face ever again. <laughs> Apologies to um, all the people at ESSR that are huge fans of hers. But she's just a waste of airtime in WWE. Yeah, um, you said apologies there to the people in ESSR that quite like her. Um David Campbell is a big fan. He's delighted she's back. Um, I believe Sarah Grieve was delighted that she's back. Um, but, Scott, there is a lot of criticism online that they're debuting someone, even though she's been there since October, as Chris said. Um, they're debuting someone as they've just released a, you know, a, a whole host of other people. Mm-hmm. Is it in poor taste? And you're like... Well, not if she's going to be worthwhile, you know what I mean? I think, you know, wrestling's continually moving. You still have to still have to move forward with new characters. But as Chris said, in a women's division that's sort of lacking and when we've just released so many people, is it a good or bad move to bring back Eva Marie? Yeah, I know, at least some people talk about the releases now. It's if WWE had this meeting, like, we could keep uh, Billy Key under contract, or we could use that money to buy this Lamborghini for <laughs> Eva Marie to stand next to. <laughs> and the thing with Eva Marie, I remember like before that WrestleMania match, the go-home Raw, they hadn't revealed the final member of Team Total Divas. And on the go-home Raw, in Brooklyn of all places, they debuted Eva Marie to do a babyface run-in, and instantly she got booed out of the building. <laughs> and I don't think they even wanted to let her go in the first place. Because you got a, a poorly timed wellness violation. Well, if you think about it, all wellness policy violations are poor timed. But uh, right as they found a gimmick for her, which was her not wrestling. And I've seen people wanting her to take this further, win the SmackDown Women's title without wrestling a match, but then eventually get beat up by, say, a Becky Lynch or something like that. She basically could have had the run that Carmella ended up having uh, a few years after her as this cowardly, like, vain heel champion. I think that also they want to pick up where they left off. I think this character, her inspiring people and sounding so disingenuous is maybe they want to portray her as one of these you know, that Instagram influencers that you see all the time. Because instantly I know that's a private heel gimmick because whenever I hear somebody who's as an influencer, I instantly want to punch them in the face. <laughs> so that's a perfect heel gimmick. And I think her leaning into more what Men's Resident used to be like for the purposes of the gimmick helps her get heat. It's like when the Bells came back for Evolution, and a lot of people seen them as representing the previous era, and they called themselves divas, and they had to be proud of it, so that they would get booed. So, I think Eva 
was told that she's had some training while she's been away. I remember Bella bringing up in the, uh, I think it was the Total Diva, no, the, no, the, the Bella's show, because we talked about Mickey Bella replacing her in 2016 at SummerSlam. I joked, they said, oh, she's vacationing in the British Isles. How long is that vacation? I mean, because I don't think there's that much to do in the British Isles for four years. <laughs> you know, that poor, poor last must have been bored ever. I mean, like, fuck it, I might as well give wrestling another go. <laughs> yeah, um, Chris, you're obviously very much anti-Eva um, here. Um, would it change your mood <laughs> if I told you she has as many WrestleMania wins and the same WrestleMania win percentage as Shayna Baszler? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm actually not a fan of Shayna Baszler either. Um, and uh, she was kind of the Brock Lesnar of the women's division for we all, thankfully, without the belt. Um, so that doesn't, that, you know, that doesn't change my opinion too much. But um, yeah, that that that's I'm, I'm, I can't even remember when she won. Are we counting WrestleMania 32? Yes, she oh. has. If we're counting pre-shows, she has more WrestleMania wins than Asuka. Or Sasha Banks. <laughs> or Sasha Banks. Yes. Good God, Asha, that's Asuka, Sasha Banks. <laughs> And Bray Wyatt combined have one WrestleMania win between them. Eva Marie has a one out of two record. She's a 50% WrestleMania win rate. I've got an idea. Right. We've just had WrestleMania. That should mean that we should have another draft. And maybe we could just draft Eva Marie, Eva Marie back to the Performance Center and just leave <laughs> her there. I know David Campbell's listening to this going, absolutely not, Chris, you're way off the mark. I I'm think. never I'm never working here again. He's going to use his Shawn Michaels influence behind the scenes to get me <laughs> off this show. I'll never work in this town again. Well, <laughs> you know, you're talking about getting off this show. People that can't get on Monday Night Raw are two of the most talented wrestlers that are in WWE at the moment, and that's Ricochet and uh, Mustafa Ali. Um They've sort of taken a different approach, though. They're, if they're going to be relegated to main event and they're going to wrestle the same match every week, they're going to build it up. They're going to they're doing a lot to build up their own feud on main event. You know, main events usually for those that don't know, uh, it's on Hulu. It gets added, you know, four weeks later on the WWE Network. Uh, it used to be on Sky Sports on demand before WWE moved on demand. BT didn't pick it up. But it's basically just what Superstars was back in the day or what Sunday Night Heat or Velocity was. Or AEW Dark is now. Or what AEW Dark is now, yeah. Except not as prominently featured. But they've went out there and they've they've done it on their own. They've started plugging their feud and they're getting a lot of praise uh, from their fellow superstars. Uh, Randy Orton tweeted uh, just an eye emoji, the looking eyes, saying he'd be watching, uh, used the hashtag main event, hashtag Ali Ricochet. Bailey said, can't wait to watch Ali and Ricochet beat the hell out of each other. Uh, Sonya Deville said, let's go, talking about the match. And Apollo said, instant classics back to back. So a lot of superstars who are getting time on the main roster backing this sort of go out and get your own exposure thing. But Scott, as we've seen with Zack Ryder and Rusev before, WWE don't like it when wrestlers do that. You know, it's you'll be pushed and you'll be liked when we tell people to like you. Yeah, really, like because as shit as Retribution was, you no know, Ali tried his best, you know, but you know, like beating a dead horse is the old expression, you know. 
And, you know, he's done this before where he's done those like Twitter promos when he was in 205 Live to try and get you interested in his, his matches. And he'd cut great promos. I remember when he lost to Terry Alexander, I was annoyed because at the time, this was before Cedric was in the heart business, he was fucking that Christmas vacuum. Whereas right before me, myself, I like a really great black and white promo. Mm-hmm. And I was annoyed that why is he not like being made the face of fucking 205 Live? And it's not the first time it's happened, you know. Like, I think they've shot him in before he was in the heart business and, and better career in the past. That great match, so I made it and tweeted about it, like, why is this not being featured prominently? And it is a shame eh, when this happens for certain guys. Uh, uh, the most backhanded comment I can give about the main event is that similar to 205 Live, like, I mainly watched the episodes from the start of the pandemic because I was just desperate for wrestling to watch because there wasn't a lot on. But even then, like, yeah, it was like, I still have to remember where can I find it and everything. So it's a shame that like sometimes you need these kind of lower tier shows, but at least promote them. I, mean, I know I took the piss out of Dark, but there's a reason they put it in Dark Elevation because that's the one they seem to care about now. But at least Dark was promoted when it started. Like every now and then in a match on Dynamite, you'll have a thing come on the screen. Here are the results from this week's AEW Dark. So, you know, even though I took the set of Dark, it's still promoted more than main event. Yeah. Um, Chris, I'd said last week about, um, about 205 Live and how part of the relationship there is the fans' expectations of certain wrestlers. You know, it's, it's, oh God, it's just the cruiserweights. Why should I care? There's no stars here. And then a report comes out and goes, well, by the way, WWE are going to add Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano to 205 Live. And the fans are instantly, why are you pigeonholing these people? Why is this done? Why is it? Whereas Japan has its junior division and it's it's treated a bit more respectfully. I did say last week to Sarah and Scott on Central, I would just, no matter what the fan outcry was, get a roster of about 40 guys just put them on 205 Live, give them feuds, give them tag titles, just because there's such an influx of talent in WWE that aren't getting used. And if you're not going to use main event, at least use 205 Live, which is meant to be an actual show. You know what I mean? And Ricochet build as 206, you know, we can start building them as 205 for Christ's sake. Ali moved needlessly from 205 Live when he was, you know, quite a quite a good wrestler on that show and did get a lot of promotion would it not be better to move people back to 205 Live and give them storylines as opposed to just rotting on the the Monday the Sunday night heat of its day main event this is the issue with these two I think these are two of the best examples of too good for 205 Live but not good enough for Raw or Smackdown Mm. Um, Ricochet the, the two things that come to mind when I think of him are when they had a great opportunity to do something with him when he stepped up to that challenge um, against Drew McIntyre just before WrestleMania. Nothing came of that. And then the other thing was when he was walking backstage after getting a doing off someday and you seen him angrily walking backstage and taking off all his tape um, off his wrists and, and just being a bit not happy with his current situation. We have all seen Ricochet perform amazingly in the Hydro in Glasgow for ICW. Uh, I, every person in that building, whether they'd heard of him or not before that night, thought he was amazing, me included. And he has been a bit wasted since he came to main roster WWE. On the other hand, uh, Mustafa Ali, when he was making those video packages last time round of his own accord, that really helped sort of get his name up in WWE again. And, um, that you know, obviously that led to retribution, which, you know, was pretty much doomed from the start. But 
I thought him as a wrestler was an exciting character. I think as well, he had a WrestleMania pre-show match uh, with Cedric Alexander, I want to say, where he came out and his gimmick looked amazing. That was probably like the most exposure he'd had in WWE up to that point. So I think that both of these guys have so much potential and I like that they're doing these sort of video packages for matches on main event because what else are you going to do to draw people to main event? It's not like in the old days of WCW where they would just, you know, in between a match end and another match start and they'd go, ah, well, the Disco Inferno is going to fight Dirty Dick Slater on Saturday. You need to watch it. You can't do that anymore because people don't care about that stuff. Whereas if you've got these good video promos, then that's actually going to put eyes on the product. And if you you know loop it all the way back to what I started with, hopefully this will then lead to these guys coming back to Raw and being prominent figures there. I'd much rather watch Mustafa Ali and Ricochet fighting on Raw than what we got this week, which was Garza and um, Gulak. Drew Gulak. And I was like, that led to nothing. Why put these guys on main event? I, I don't. I don't care about these guys. Get these guys off my TV. So they are another two though that were needlessly removed mm-hmm. from yeah. 205 Live. Two former cruiserweight champions, you know. And again, as you said, is it maybe the you know whenever you used to see it back in the day on SmackDown, where SmackDown would get an interesting character and they would immediately be drafted to Raw because Raw was the flagship show. Raw and SmackDown are the flagships. It seems whenever someone gets a bit of exposure or a bit, bit of fan traction on 205 Live, they're immediately moved, Scott, and it's yeah. not always for the betterment of their character. Yeah, the thing you say about Ali and Ricochet, I'll, I'll start off back in a thing, but yeah, like, Drew like came up and had the stuff with Daniel Bryan, but like, he didn't need to be moved from NXT or 205 Live because he was doing good stuff there as well. But... And they just made him Daniel Bryan's pal, and then they separated them away and put him in the twenty four seven division. Like Garza to be like the face of the cruiser division, but then they put the belt on Devlin, and then everything that happened there. Instead of bringing him back to maybe be part in that interim tournament, they said, "Oh, you're related to Humberto Carrillo. We don't have Andrade. Be the be our substitute. Be our Coke Zero Andrade <laughs> for now." And then you, know, you got tied in with that faction, that endless feud with Street Profits, and then basically. Ah, well, you're basically a, a poor version. Go chat up Charlie Cruz like a poor version of Eddie Guerrero on China back in 2000, yeah. basically, is what they basically tried to make him into. Like, I remember we all, we said, I said on podcast before, I think me and Dave talked about a match that Garza had on the Wednesday Night Wars on an episode of NXT that we said, and ring wise, he was like the next Eddie Guerrero. I think with, when, like you said, like handing flowers to women and everything and trying to chat them up, they, they we took that a bit too literally with him being, being the next Eddie Guerrero, but. It's weird with Ali and Ricky trying to build the run feed because they try to do a thing where Ricochet would join Retribution because he's still like the kind of guy who would be annoyed enough to join. But I remember the best thing I heard was somebody say like, but what the hell are they going to call him and, uh, and Retribution? You know, Ricochet's already silly enough. What the hell are they going to change it to? <laughs> and then Ali admitted and said like, yeah, at one point it was maybe me versus Kofi Kingston in a singles match at WrestleMania because they were doing the whole storyline that didn't really get a payoff of, uh, oh yeah, you took my spot two years ago. And then just like, ah, well, ah, well we, we could put that on me, or we could have Ali lose in the Fastlane pre-show to Matt Riddle and then get beat up by Retribution, who, mm-hmm. by the way, like, Mia Yim is allegedly made a debut in fact, and she's not showed up yet. I don't know what the hell happened with Slapjack. But Mason T-Bar have been unmasked, and they're still Mason T-Bar, you know? I was waiting for that Scooby-Doo moment, like, old man, die, Jack! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it is a weird one. Um, but there's... 
a lot going on in Raw and SmackDown we're not happy about. There's a lot going on in main event where, you know, there's people not getting that chance. And then there's two or five sitting there that people are like, oh, well, people are too good. I think, to, to what you said, Chris, you know, if you're saying people are too good for 205 Live or, you know, like maybe that will make people watch it. You know what I mean? The likes of, you know, not not Drew and Humberto, uh, not Drew and um, Angel Garza now, but Drew Gulak's character in 205 Live, both the PowerPoint presentation, Donald Trump ripoff, <laughs> and the sort of angry veteran who beats the hell out of everyone. Those were really good characters. Andrade, when he first came into NXT and, and 205 Live, was a really interesting character. You've got Kushida there now. You've got the likes of uh, Santos Escobar. And, you know, even if you did just go, you know what, look, we're going to do this for a year. 205 Live will be included in the draft. So people on Raw and SmackDown could occasionally get drafted to 205 Live. People could go back up. You know, it's not a not a, a set thing. Like, you're here. This is you now. Deal with it. You know what I mean? I think... Starting to use the tools at your disposal, but at the same time saying to people, right, you're not pigeonholed into cruiserweights forever. You can go up the divisions. See, well, the thing with uh, Garza is you probably would be better off taking him back to NXT and putting him in Legado del Fantasma. Because unlike with uh, Andrade, where basically was they're both Mexican, basically, so they will be managed by Selena Vega. You know, uh, uh, Santos was originally called El Hijo de Fantasma, which in Mexico, which in Spanish would translate to the son of fantastic because his dad was a wrestler and Angel Garza comes from a wrestling family as well, that Hector Garza was a wrestler, so they've got that connection, so the real storyline there for him to come back is part of the, uh, the cruiserweight division, because like, like say if like Santos gets annoyed that uh, Wild and Mendoza can't win the titles, he brings back Garza fine, we'll do it, and we'll show you how it's done Yeah, I think that that's that a good shout, but um, you talked about the tag titles there on the NXT tag titles, <laughs> a team who were meant to win the tag titles uh, at the start of the pandemic, much to the chagrin <laughs> of Ryan Gallagher and his draft team when it got cancelled, was Indushare. Indushare, um, managed by Malcolm Bivens, didn't really do anything on NXT. <laughs> you mentioned before we went on air, Chris, the last time they were in a match was the Superstar Spectacle India Special, um, where the team withdrew McIntyre. They're now going to be put in a stable with Jinder uh, Mahal it seems another thing that happened on main event this weekend maybe we might have to start watching main event um, don't you dare was in the share joining up with Jinder Mahal uh, an upgrade on the previous Bollywood boys uh, Jinder Mahal trying to get back to you mentioned TNA trying to get back to that height that they once were but never going to happen former WWE champion Jinder Mahal now has a new stable as I'm interested to get because I know Scott's thought on the on the whole gender run. We we know far too well David Hockney's thoughts <laughs> on Jinder Mahal's reign. I want to know your thoughts on what the reign of Jinder Mahal was like for you, and would you be adverse to seeing Jinder in sort of a an IC title feud with his new cronies, or are you just proper anti gender? No, I'm here for it. Um, I think that when he first came back. I think it was quite noticeable that he had stopped taking steroids because his chest was all screwed up. And eventually when he sort of evened out, he looked a bit more like a wrestler again. I, I like that. Allegedly, by the way. Um, <laughs> I 
um, I distinctly remember where I was and watching him defeat Randy Orton for the title. And the longer it went on, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't mind this. I'm not one of these people that was like, this is the worst thing that ever happened to wrestling. I'm not one of these people that said, this is the best thing that ever happened to wrestling. I completely understand why WWE did it. It's the same reason they put the belt on Bret Hart, folks. It's because they both were used as a way to expand into another market. Um, him with India, Bret Hart with Canada and you know what Breaking like, news, Chris Murray says Jinder Mahal is better than Bret Hart for more <laughs> on the story, ES is our central this week um, and you know like I, I'm, I've i got a total soft spot for factions in the WWE I loved the Hurt Business before they expired I loved all the 90s factions and anytime they get the chance to do these it always works out so like having heard nothing about Indo <laughs> share at all before we started I asked you guys is this one person or two and uh, that was the first <laughs> one's, called Hindu, one's called one's called, one's called share they come out to believe um, if I, I, back time. <laughs> this is what we need um, but, but you know what yeah I'm, I'm how do you um, cover up gender's uh, weaknesses as a wrestler you make him in a faction where he doesn't have to wrestle all the time, where he can win with the help of shenanigans. And, and yeah, send him towards the IC title with these two guys at his side. There's a, there's a massive group of people that are going to really enjoy that. And uh, not all of them are in India. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with this. And let's not even mention the fact that I'm pretty sure Jinder Mahal's from Canada. Yeah, and... I think he was one of the first. I think he was maybe from Montreal, something like that. And I think there was a announcement that he was the first champion from that part of Canada since Bret Hart. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. For the proof, he is fucking better than Bret Hart. He wins just less than <laughs> Bret Hart does enough. <laughs> like pushing somebody for a certain market is nothing new. I mean, I'm sure Drew, there was plans for a UK review. That's part of the reason Drew and plus BT Sport was rumoured why Drew was pushed so heavily. Eddie, Rey Mysterio, or anyone fakely Latin American has been pushed for appeal to that market so just because it was done with somebody you don't like doesn't mean it doesn't happen the same way people you do like so you need to keep that in mind even though obviously you shouldn't have probably won the title because uh, remember Brock Lesnar was a champ on the other brand at the time in the case of well having the champ that's not always that's always there isn't always the best thing it's case <laughs> in point with but then yeah and he might also beat Jeff Hardy like the amount that the people are talking about Ali and Ricochet not mentioned everyone's already forgotten about Jeff Hardy at this point they're like it's not nobody's batting an eyelid that Jeff Hardy's losing on main event, you know, two former WWE champions based on main event. I think maybe they weren't sure that this angle was good enough for Raw, that that's why they tested out here. I legit thought Chris was going to say, how do we, uh, how you know, sort coming? Put him, again, put him in the ring with two people who are worse than the ring then. And he <laughs> yeah. is like, make, make gender look like Luthez by comparison. Can I, can I just say as well, right, and yes, I will openly admit I'm four years too late in saying this, but wrestling fans aren't allowed to complain that Jinder Mahal was champion. And if you want to complain, come straight to me, because here's the issue with that. Wrestling fans, the predominant complaint of any wrestling fan of any company ever in the history of wrestling is that, oh, new champions are never pushed. Like, nobody got pushed during Hulk Hogan. Then nobody got pushed during John Cena. And nobody got pushed while Triple H and The Rock were running roughshod for, you know, all of the 90s into the 2000s. But then when you get a new guy that's champion, you're like, oh, no, this is shit. Get the belt back on Randy Orton or something. You can't complain that Jinder Mahal was champion because it's you know, one of the few times that they've actually had the balls to do that. 
So I think you'll find this. I can and I will complain that Tinder Mahal is champion. I mean, did you not listen to Debating Chamber 2? This clearly paved the way for Kofi Kingston to go on the WWE Champion. Don't, just don't, just fuck, don't. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I can see both sides to the argument here. I can see, like, that, yeah, we want new people, but we don't always want the new people that WWE give us. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's for good and sometimes that's for bad. You know, we've seen how good Roman Reigns is now. But when originally, when he split for the Shield, he got cheered. And then when we said, by the way, we're thinking of making him WWE champion, it was, no, I've never liked him. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) oh, come on. But yeah, Jinder Mahal's got a new stable. We'll see if that, um, that lasts long, you know, is on main event so it's not exactly canon you know what I mean we've seen that with what we were talking about with uh, Mustafa Ali and uh, Ricochet I'm going to touch on something quickly uh, regarding Steve Cutler and Jackson Riker uh, Chris you said you don't really know who Steve Cutler you had no clue who he was Scott I'm sure you know who he is but you don't care so I'm just going <laughs> to quickly read this it, it's talking about um, Jackson Riker the current um, bodyguard for Elias Um He's the only member of the Forgotten Sons who's still with WWE, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler, um, both released uh, this past April. Um, the Forgotten Sons were in line for a big push to take the tag titles off of the New Day until Jackson Riker made some controversial comments about um, his support for Donald Trump and maybe a support for certain policies that are could be deemed unfair or you know, racist, so uh, allegedly. Um, but here's what Steve Cutler had to say about this. He said, uh, about how it affected him, he said, listen, everybody has their opinion. Everyone's allowed to have their opinion. That's what the point of social media is. Obviously, there's a two-sided coin to everything and how you feel and how you view things. Feel how you want to feel. Say what you want to say. That's your business, not mine. But I was out walking the dogs with D, talking about his partner, Diana Perazzo, and I get a bunch of texts. My phone starts blowing up. Hey, what the hell is this? And I'm just looking. And people have sent me screenshots of the tweet. And I'm just like, oh, come on. I'm like, I'm doing nothing. I'm literally at home walking my dogs. Then it just instilled uh, from there on how everything unfolded and happened. So basically, the guy who's still with WWE and posted pro-Donald Trump tweets has escaped punishment because he's a big muscular man mm-hmm. and the two sort of bland sidekicks have been released um, we, we mentioned Eva Marie earlier and how she was brought back and other people have been let go you know but I think here you know this is a, a an actual example of how unfair WWE's hiring and firing policy can be it's a, a sort of if your face fits mm-hmm. and it, it, it would appear that uh, Cutler and Blake didn't but Jackson Riker does yeah, and like uh, Blake uh, got released after Cutler, obviously, and they clearly had nothing for him. They lumped him with everybody else. Like, I think he was somebody who speculated what they were going to put him back with Murphy potentially, but that would have been a step back, even though they're both very talented. Cutler, I think there was also speculation that part of his firing, you know, some other outlets, depending on what outlet you read, that he and Dion had been to like parties with very little social distancing and that got uh, like fired, but then I thought, well, at first I thought that kind of just fight a little bit, but then you think, well, Casey Catanzaro's still knocking about NXT, Ricochet was with her at those parties, he's, yeah, he's on main event, but he's still 
you know, employed and everything, yet these two guys who allegedly were mega around the SmackDown tag titles, they were good as a heel team. They're fucking Heater, who is big and muscular, and that's why he's still around, treats these things. They get tired, they get tired of us, even though we don't even know if they even felt the same way. Yeah. They probably had even very different opinions, but they probably got, then they got fired, and you know, Vince, his history, you know, I think. There are some people in WWE who are clearly Republican but don't talk about it. I know you've seen Vince's history with Donald Trump. So, you know, I don't want to speculate that Vince agrees with certain opinions, but it is weird that also the big muscular guy who tweets these things sticks around, but the other guys who haven't said anything get fired. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a rubbish thing, but we'll move on to something that can excite people, which is the story that WrestleVotes broke, which was that SummerSlam's location will be in an area, an outdoor area where it will really excite people. That was the that was the sort of hook. A lot of people on this side of the Atlantic, you know, speculating that we're getting a Wembley SummerSlam again. What's happening? You know, are we getting it? I can tell you now, we're not. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't know anything about it. I'm just telling you, we're not. <laughs> um, we spoke uh, before we came on. It's rumored to be a Phoenix uh, in Phoenix or in Texas in an outdoor stadium. And you mentioned obviously some of the stadiums where it could be suitable for a, a big pay per view like SummerSlam to take place. Yep, uh, Phoenix, Arizona would be an interesting choice because, of course, um, they've got plenty of baseball and uh, NFL and ba- um, what's the other one? Basketball. Um, stadiums and arenas that they could all have this in. I saw that they said that it would be an open-air stadium, so I immediately thought of the University of Phoenix Stadium where the Arizona Cardinals play. Uh, Texas, I mean, Texas is like the size of Britain, isn't it? So that it's got about a million stadiums that they could choose. I think it's a wise idea that they're choosing uh, an outside arena because, you know, with everything that's going on with COVID, I think that's quite essential just now. Um, the only hindrance... I have on this and my my two my two worlds of podcast are mixing together here because um SummerSlam's in August, right? It's yeah. always in August. It's in the name. The NFL season starts in September and the four weeks before the season starts, they always have um NFL preseason games. Mm. And I, I think I know I don't know what the preseason schedule hasn't come out. It's actually gonna come out this coming Wednesday. Um I think, but the, uh, think the Dallas Cowboys are playing Rangers at Ibrox, but then they're <laughs> playing funny, Aberdeen at the AT&T Stadium. Yeah, uh, the old right. Aberdeen Razorbacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that. The only, um, the only NFL game which is currently announced is the Hall of Fame game, which is the sort of kicking off the season game, which is on August 5th. So between August 5th and the start of the NFL season proper in September, they're going to have four weeks of games. So odds are on a Sunday... There's a pretty decent chance that the University of Phoenix Stadium in Arizona won't be free. But obviously, there's no, as we said, we've no, there's no shortage of stadiums. Wasn't one of the Royal Rumbles in Phoenix? Did I make yes, that up? 2019. Yeah. Becky and, and Seth Rollins. Exactly. And that stadium, I, I can't remember. Did it have a lid on it? Does it have a roof? No. No, like, like 2019, 2020 had the baseball stadiums. I don't know where 2020s was. I think that may be Texas, but they had kind of the the open air kind of feel to it and the big windows where I think in 2020 somebody could see across the Titan Tron swell MVP coming back. Mm-hmm. 
fact, I think that you guys had a suggestion for. Uh, oh, by the way, the arena that we were talking about there was Chase Field, which is in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. Ooh. So that's that's an option as well. That had uh, forty eight thousand in it for the Royal Rumble in twenty nineteen. So if you think maybe half that twenty thousand, or, or sorry, less than half that twenty thousand, they could potentially do that. But I think you guys, before we got on, suggested a really interesting venue, albeit one that is indoors. But I think it could be a great shout for where this event could be held. Yeah, Madison Square Garden, I think. You talk about the history of WWE, it's been far too long. I know the Barclays Centre is modern and bigger, but I love an old school Madison Square Garden. I hated at WrestleMania 20 when they didn't have the wee short ramp. Mm-hmm. I love the the old short ramp, but apparently it's all been done up, so you couldn't even do that anymore, which annoys the life out of me. But I think um, the history of WWE, you can't tell it without Madison Square Garden. You can't tell Bruno San Martino's history, mm-hmm. the longest reigning WWE champion, without Madison Square Garden. So many iconic moments happened there. You know, you, you've got WrestleMania 1, 10, and 20. You've got Rock winning the Royal Rumble. You've got Mick Foley versus Triple H in the street fight. You know, so many iconic moments happened there. Bret Hart's coronation, you know what I mean? So uh-huh. it would be nice to go back there. And But, but SummerSlam 1998, I believe, was held there. Yeah, I believe the first ever one in 88 as, as well. Yeah. yeah, and 98 obviously was in the midst of the, the attitude area at Austin V. Undertaker for Austin accidentally not to sell it halfway through. Well, there you go. So, so many, so many classic matches and pay-per-view have taken place there. So many classic Raws and Smackdowns have taken place there. So, I'd love for them to go back there. You know, I know Barclays is bigger. You know what? Just make the tickets more expensive. You know what I mean? You'll yeah. make out either way. Yeah, because that's what they've done in the past because even though it's a great venue, you're kind of cramming people into it, MSG. And so usually they would charge more, even though they were losing money. Allegedly, every time they went there, that's why they didn't do it as often. But like you said, like jack up the prices, especially if this is going to be close when the first show is properly back after COVID. You know, book it, promote it, and they will come. You know, to quote another baseball film, and uh, you know, it's like when you said an iconic venue that would excite people. All the MSG pots in your head, but then you said you specify Phoenix or uh, Texas. You know, there's a lot of places that go in Texas. You know, eight, I don't know if they go at t the same way they did 32, because they've already put that for the following year's mania. Mm-hmm. So, and that's only got a roof on, but like, Texas and Arizona, like, we've got venues we can talk about as we're discussing it, but off the top of my head, I couldn't think of any. So it was hard to think where they could go in these states if they are do go there as well. I wouldn't be too excited if they do go back to the UK for a UK period, because if you look at Twitter, it looks like freaking Tyson Fury every chance he gets, because they're like, oh, I have me versus Drew in the main event of this UK period. Like, no, Tyson, we've seen you had that one match against Braun and you were shite. I know you can knock me out, but that doesn't stop you from being any less shite at wrestling. I'm shite at boxing, but you don't see me having a go at it. So It's, it's, it's interesting as well because um, there's two two reasons why I think the Madison Square Garden's a great shout. One, um, you know, the as you said about the prestige and, and all that, like you're never getting WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden again. No. But it's quite believable that they could book... SummerSlam there and that's their second biggest pay-per-view mm-hmm, so why yeah. not do that you know to honour the legacy as you say and the, the other thing is as well is a lot of people that are trying to move slash uh, you know rebuild Madison Square Garden somewhere else because they're constantly trying to do up Penn Station in New York which is right on top or, or right underneath Madison Square Garden and it sort of gets like kiboshed every year it's been getting put, put to the side 
uh, and brought up every year since I think 2013. And they're currently in a 10 year lease on the venue, which started in 2013. So, you know, after about 2022, we could see this issue coming up again where they're talking about moving Madison Square Garden or knocking it down and rebuilding it somewhere else. So WWE should get in there while they have the chance. This this venue as it stands, albeit <laughs> just the outer shell, as you said, Ross, is the venue that has so much history with WWE. It may not be there for much longer. So definitely they should take this opportunity while they have it. You talk about the history of WWE in that point. One, one moment that just jumped in my head there, Survivor Series 2002, uh, the first ever elimination chamber mm-hmm. happened in there. I think Port Lesnar's proper first uh, singles loss happened in that venue as well. You know, the Rock's return. So I received his twenty eleven. You know, yeah, and like they had Survivor there, like Rock's debut at Survivor Series mm-hmm. that year. If anyone's not watched that, watch the main event. The way that the fans are so behind it's the most over that man's ever been no. in his entire life. But I, I think what you mean. Like it's annoying. Like you've seen it. They did the long run big game when they did it. Uh, when they did NXT for like the G1 or Ring of Honor card, the one benefit they had at WrestleMania 20 is when they got Kane did that basically graphic of the the city being on fire. Yeah, <laughs> and we're going to uh, finish tonight just with um, we talked about obviously SummerSlam here. That's in August. We could see a full capacity crowd at pay per view by the end of May. So, uh, Tony Khan appeared on Busted Open Radio. Uh, this is from 5 o'clock on Wednesday, the day we are recording, so this is all we know so far. He said, double or nothing will be full capacity. Um, he also said, talking about um, there's a tag team match tonight on AEW, the winners get a title shot next week, and Blood and Guts will be the entire second hour. Um, but Tony Khan's also said, they want to have a live show on the Friday, a fan fest on the Saturday, and then, obviously, I think the last Sunday of the month, which is May 30th, I believe. Yes. Yeah, he wants to do, he wants that. So he wants the fans back and he wants them back in a big way. Um, obviously, it's in the state of Florida. A lot more lax uh, laws there. By May, we'll be in stage two in, the U- in Scotland, certainly. Uh, stage two of a three-stage plan to get us out of lockdown. Chris, do you realistically see a full capacity crowd by the end of May in Florida? There's there's two minds to this, isn't there? There's one, will they do it? And two, should they do it? One, will they do it? I've got no doubt in my mind whatsoever that one of the wrestling companies, whether it be AEW or WWE, um, will be the first ones to do a full capacity anything. Like, they are desperate to do such a thing. And I could totally see AEW doing this by the end of May. Should they do it? Absolutely not. Ross, um, the, uh, that same weekend, right? I was just looking at my calendar as you were saying it. That same weekend uh, is my other half's brother's child's first birthday. And to keep within all the rules, we are driving three hours from here in Glasgow, down to Newcastle to visit them and then to drive three hours back the same day to make sure we're not breaking any rules. Yet they want to do stuff like this the same weekend. It's mm. it's, it's almost a spit in the face to what other people are doing in the world and I hate them for that. Like AEW have, have, have quite rightfully told the line with a lot of stuff uh, in their entire existence. Nobody ever really says, oh, AEW, what a bunch of twats for doing such a thing. This just makes them look like idiots, honestly. I know that they're desperate to do this, but 
if you're doing something like this, it better be similar to the event we got in the UK recently where it's like tests for everyone and limited capacity and and, and just, God, it, it makes me so mad that this is even a thing. Yeah, because like, doing the full capacity show is one thing, but the fact they want to do the fan convention on the Saturday, like basically I think they want to get back to like what the Iowa Starcast because that can be the unofficial weekend event for, mm. for the first few pay-per-views of a uh, of it, uh, AW, and so that's like a bigger danger because you've got people meeting people who want to take photos with people and they'll be able to say handshaking, so you want to make sure there's a mask, hand sanitizer, things like that. The fact that they're in Florida, they have had the few the odd case like Lance Archer and John Moxley being pulled from show at Jericho, admitting only after he got home from a taping that he realized that he had it, but even then, like they've not had as many as you'd think they would have had. Which, given that they're in Florida, is a fucking medical when you think about that being a, a hotbed, but like you know, if. They have a full capacity, then have this thing with, and then if people get come back and t- say that they've caught it, because like you had people come back from SMS and they'd meet some of the industries around it, you can say they've caught it, and they, they put it out so all the people get tested. You know, if it comes out that people got, either the wrestlers or fans or whoever got COVID from this full capacity show, then I think people rightfully can point out what fucking Taz said last year when he said, like, yeah, Tim Motley, you, you should take this time off because we don't run a sloppy shop in here, then you should be held accountable that way. Well, he kind of did this and this wasn't advisable like this seems like something WWE would do because this is in May like at least two two and a half months at least ahead of SummerSlam you think this is something Vince would try and do to get ahead of the competition I know what you're thinking about Dylan so why be uh, full capacity but I think to a guy if he said all out that would be more realistic but the fact he's doing it for Dylan I think it's a bit too rash for me W. yeah it's I think he's got the good fortune of being in Florida where I say the good fortune there is a, <laughs> a, a massive amount of ignorance in that yeah. area regarding COVID and masks and everything. But you see the fact that, you know, they're talking about the, you, Scott, you mentioned the Starcast thing, but just to WrestleMania, where it was 25,000 max and a like 80,000 seater stadium, it was a Hall of Fame, no fans in attendance, no wrestlers in attendance via like satellite link for some of the wrestlers who were still in quarantine and you had no access no no Saturday night takeover you had nothing you had everything was very there was a lot on TV wise but there was not a lot on like for the people who went and made the journey there it was a case of the shows are there that's it so I think to do this it's very risky, and it's almost it, you're you're bordering on a PR nightmare if multiple people touch wood. They don't, you know, I don't want this to happen. But if, so, if multiple people get COVID, and if multiple people die, then you are running the risk of a massive PR nightmare. So I just looked at the capacity for Daly's place here. I believe five thousand five hundred is the capacity. I don't know if that and just for like uh, being football games or shit like that, or like with. Uh, the ring involved, but like even though you said it's not as many people as WrestleMania when that was 30,000, 60,000, you're still having people fairly spread out. Whereas this is five days by you know, like is very close together without like a few inches. It won't definitely won't be two meters between everybody's seats, yeah, and everything. And then people going by each other to go to concession stands and then have me at the fan convention. There's so much interaction, even with this smaller crowd in WrestleMania, that there's that much risk because you don't know where people are coming from in the US if most of them are from Florida or other parts of the US because. You know, internationally, people won't be able to flown over for an event like that. 
Yeah, it's it's risky. Hopefully, you know, if it does go ahead, tr- trust me, it'd be great to see fans back. But I don't see, especially not in Florida, it being safe to do that. I and this this isn't a dig at AEW fans, it's a dig at fans in general because you saw it. There was a photo uh, before Christmas, I believe it was a show in Australia where uh, sorry, New Zealand, where obviously COVID has not had a big of an impact there and it was fans in a, a full capacity crowd at an indie show but the majority of them had masks on you'd certain ones who had pulled their masks down you've seen this Wrestlemania fans pulling their masks down you see it when you watch AEW in the pant of the crowd there's wrestlers the fans that take their masks down you're not going to have everyone wearing masks you're not going to have everyone observing like the hands face space sort of thing and who have broken multiple rules leading up to it, so I, th- I think it's a bad idea personally, but hopefully I'm, I'm very wrong, and if there is a capacity crowd, there is no instance or issues. Mm. But on that note of doom and gloom, <laughs> 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 we maybe should have ended with SummerSlam, we should have read the room. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Ross, it's our show, we can send them off sad if we like. It keeps them coming back the next week. I'm just going to do a Grandpa Simpson and yell, Duh! into the mic. End with the classic Vincent Mann sound out from that where it's just matter. Life sucks and then you die. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much, Chris, for coming on. I know you you don't usually keep up with modern wrestling, obviously due to work commitments and all that, but thank you for coming on this week and being so game for it. No, totally. Um, I, I knew I was in like a rare period where I was up to date with a lot of stuff, so I knew I had to get on, get in with you central, guys. Um, and before we go, obviously, Ross, this will come out after it's happened, but who's going to win Blood and Guts on oh, the spot? I think... I think the Inner Circle need to win because they they constantly lose every faction war. Yeah. They, they no. really do. Um... I'll, I'll throw it back to you and then we can throw it to Scott. The, the Dan Allen Partridge, the proverbial hot potato, Chris Murray. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, if War Games is taught as anything um, in the NWA days, the Legion of Doom, I think, went 9 and 0 in War Games matches or something insane like that. It is a match built for faces to look great. So hopefully, AEW, keep that going. Yeah, uh, Scott. Uh, well, I know the Pinnacle had the advantage, and usually, with the exception of that last year's Women's War Games, that the team that has the advantage, uh, actually, the, the Faces had the advantage, and anyway, yeah, the team that always has the advantage always loses at War Games, but I think this is the one time where they win, because uh, I'm, I'm very much backpedaling more than a, your average politician uh, with this <laughs> thing, because I know I said easily, and I'm sorry last week, but this terrible thing is I'm thinking... There's a bigger planet, please. So, yeah, I'm going to change my answer to uh, the pinnacle. Right, so Scott went with uh, there'll be a winner. Um, you and I, I believe, went, we both went Jericho there, didn't we? Yes. Yes. Um, and just remember, folks, uh, you don't matter. You, 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 no, you, there'll, be, there'll be a winner. Yes, but a different winner from last week. <laughs> yes, you, you picked about five winners. <laughs> so, Scott's went with Legion of Doom to win that War Games. Um, <laughs> Just remember, guys, Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, our main channel, our only channel. 
is available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites, and of course at Suplex Retweet on all your good social media platforms, as I mentioned earlier, LinkedIn, Grinder, MySpace, put us in your top 16, Bebo, Just Eat, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We are on them all. Uh, let us know Let us know your thoughts as well, because you can get involved with our Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community. Uh, on Facebook, just type in Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community. It's that simple. It's a great wee group. There's no arseholes, so please don't <laughs> join if you are one. And we'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye.